Good evening, everyone. Welcome out. Let me uh, just open us up in prayer. Father, thank you for how you've blessed us so much with various gifts. And as we look at this gift of the spirit of discernment between spirits, Lord, may you bless those here tonight that may have it and don't know it. May they realize that. Uh, for those who do have it, may you continue to strengthen that gift because this gift is really valuable uh, to our church as is are all the other gifts that you bless us with, Lord. And this one in particular, as we're going to see in your word, Lord, has some implications to it and there's a lot of heavy weight that goes behind it. And So, Father, we approach you just humbly asking for your gifts to operate in your church, for the building up of your body and for the blessing of your children in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 is where we're at. And the uh, phrase that we're looking at this evening is to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. So we're just going to continue our study of 1 Corinthians 12 here and tonight, looking at this particular verse. Sometimes we forget the reality of the spiritual world and that our physical world coexists with our spiritual world. And even though some people in our physical world aren't aware of the spiritual world, the spiritual world is very aware of the physical world we live in. The psalmist wrote about how Messiah, God incarnate, Jesus, on the physical earth would command angels, those in the spiritual world. In Psalms chapter 91, verse 11 and 12, let me read that for us. For he, Messiah, will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now doesn't that psalm sound awfully familiar? Because we have recordings of that in biographies of Jesus in Matthew and in Luke, where the devil used that very psalm to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. Now let's just take a look at Luke's account in Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, I bring this up because the Bible is critical in the ability to distinguish between spirits. The Word of God does not contradict itself. It does not contradict the ability to distinguish between spirits. And we see this evidence in Luke chapter 4 because you notice how the devil said, for it is written in Luke chapter 4 verse 10. Because it's true, it is written there in the scriptures, right? In Psalm chapter 91, it's written there. And so it is important to recognize there's a spiritual world where Satan and his demons, they are biblical experts, right? They know the Bible. They know the Bible really well. They know what it contains, and they know how to twist the scriptures out of context. And just because someone knows what is in the scripture does not mean that they are rightly communicating the will of God. And so we have to be aware of false teachers in this physical world and those in the spiritual world. And to be like Jesus and know when someone is misusing the scripture against you so that we can rightly handle the word of God and understand it in its proper context, which is why it's so important for us to know the entire counsel of God, the whole counsel of God, which is why we go through the scriptures and the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse here. 
because we desire to be like Acts chapter 20, verse 27, where Paul declares, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. To follow Paul's instruction to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So now that we have established that the Word of God is the foundation to the ability to distinguish spirits. Let's take a closer look at this spiritual realm, particularly angels right now, beginning in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 reads this. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is in regards to angels. Are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Now this whole series is about the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts we are blessed by from Him. And we've been learning more about the Holy Spirit in the past several months and the positive influence He has on our lives for our good. He is continually at work in us, conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. And as we experience such positive spiritual influence upon our lives for good. There's also an evidence of a spiritually negative influence we have all experienced that opposes the things of Jesus. Paul wrote about this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, there's a spiritual battle that we're all a part of. And these spiritual forces of evil and darkness are deceptive ones. What appears to be good and of the light can actually be dark and be evil. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14-15 through 15. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So this is why we need the ability to distinguish between spirits. We need spiritual discernment, which I know some of you have in our church. Because there are those people who seem to be okay. What they say, what they do, it all seems good and it all seems right. But for some reason you get a sense that something is just off about them. And you can't always put it into words. But what you sense is that there's something just not quite right about that person. Even though what they're saying is right on and what they do is right on. And then you let some time go by and then you come to find out the truth about that person. And what they said and what they did, you're like, oh, that's why. And the things that they were doing and they were saying were actually just kind of masks behind what was really there. And this has happened actually quite a few times at our church. And I was trying to recall some things, but I decided not to put specific examples of it because I don't want to talk bad about anyone. But this has happened on numerous times at our church. I've had on numerous occasions people coming up to me, and they either email me or call me or text me or they meet in my office or we meet, and they come in saying the right things and doing the right things, but eventually that real person turns up. And I thank God for those of you who have shared your spiritual gift 
of discernment with me because many times when you and I meet, it is a point of affirmation that, thank you, I'm not crazy. It wasn't just me sensing this. It's someone is affirming me and confirming my thoughts about a particular person or a particular thing that's happening. And I'm also thankful to God in that those of you who have shared this gift with me about others, you've refrained from gossip and you've refrained from slander and spreading rumor. I think we've done a really good job of handling these situations in a really prayerful way and in a really wise way. And so I want to just continue to encourage those of you who are practicing this with me already to continue to do that. I really value it. This is how the ability to distinguish spirits works. You just sense that something's off. You have this odd feeling. You sense things, and it's kind of like spidey senses for Spider-Man or something. Right? You just, I don't know what it is. You just sense it. And you can't always reason why. And sometimes it doesn't make any logical sense. You don't understand why you sense what you sense or feel what you feel, but there's something within you that informs you that something's just not right. And that's the Holy Spirit. He's telling you that something's just not quite right, even though the person's saying the right things and he's doing the right things. And one of the things that those of us with this gift get really frustrated at is why others don't have the same sense. Like, can't you see what I see? But the other person's just like, no, he looks good to me. What he says is great. And I'll look at how they act and look at what they do and look at all this other stuff. Now, an example of this gift at work can be found in Acts chapter 8. And this is when Peter and John, they called out Simon the sorcerer about his heart towards God after Philip had done some really great ministry in Samaria. And so the story starts in verse 5 of Acts chapter 8. Let me read this story for us. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, for a long time, he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. 
For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. You see how Peter had the spiritual gift of distinguishing between spirits. Simon joined the church, and Simon had the orthodox beliefs of the church. He was learning from Philip. He got baptized. He witnessed the great ministry that was happening through Philip, but his heart wasn't right. And yet he was still following. He did the right things on the outside. He got baptized. He was hanging out. He was doing all the different things. And Peter called him out on that as he had the spiritual gift of discernment. And he saw that what was in Simon's heart, something's off about this. And he told Simon to repent. And we took a look at Galatians chapter 5 this past Sunday. And there was a list of things that Paul wrote down that were evident works of the flesh. One of those things was sorcery, which Simon used to practice. Who knows if he continued practicing those things as he became a Christian. But he did take part in those things prior to being a Christian. Maybe he even stopped that particular sin. I'll even give him that. But it seems that there were other works of the flesh that are listed in Galatians chapter 5 that caused him to be in gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Things like jealousy. Things like envy that we find in Galatians chapter 5. So we see how important this sign of discernment is for the church. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 2, John wrote this about the Ephesian church. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. The Bible is clear that we are to test the spirits, the prophets, the teachers, to see if they are truly of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. To be like the Ephesian church in this way would be a great thing for our church. Not always, because the Ephesian church had some serious faults. They were accused of leaving their first love. That is something we definitely do not want to copy in the Ephesian church. But for this particular thing we do, to learn from them in this particular aspect that John wrote about them in Revelation. Now, it's not the intent of our church to go about bad-mouthing people and saying things about people. But the thing is that the Bible is clear that we have to call out false teachers. We have to call out false prophets when they make themselves known and they can hurt people. And so it's my responsibility as a pastor to look after the church in this way. And so if someone came in and was doing these things, I would address them. And I would also ask the elders and any other ministry staff, I would ask them to address these people if they were coming in here preaching false things, teaching false things. And so for those of us who have this spiritual gift of discernment, you are so needed in the church to assist the church in this way because we don't know every single thing that's happening in small groups. We don't know every single thing that's happening in outreaches or all the different things that this church is involved in. So we need you to exercise this gift of discernment. Jesus warned us of such people in Mark chapter 13, verse 22. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. 
So it is extremely important to have the ability to distinguish between spirits because you can't always spot a false prophet and a false teacher by how they act or by what they say. Because many times what they say seems to be right on. How they act seems to be spot on. So we need the spiritual gift of distinguishing between spirits to help us discern between what's true and what's false. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, Peter wrote this, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Here's a really important thing to know about false prophets. It's found here in verse 3. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They're greedy. They want your stuff. Right? They want your money. They want your stuff. They want your resources. They will ask for those things. False prophets, false teachers will ask you, give to this ministry. They'll give you that whole song and dance and throw that stuff. Watch out for that. That's a telltale sign of a false prophet and a false teacher. They'll start trying to massage you out of your money. All right, so let me wrap up tonight's message here with a story from the Old Testament. And before you get too excited that I'm wrapping up, it's a long story. Okay? <laughs> but it's found in 1 Kings Chapter 13, it's 30 verses long, okay? But it's a really good one, and it's about discernment. So, before I start reading that story and you turn to that 1 Kings chapter 13, let me give you a little bit of background. Jeroboam was the king of Israel in the northern kingdom, right? Jeroboam is not a good king. Actually, a very, very evil king. A king that totally misled the Israelites to live in idolatry. And so the story picks up where this younger prophet who came from Judah, he came up from the south while Jeroboam was making offerings to false gods. And so even today, if you were to go to Israel with us at some point, we'll visit Atel, which is a city at that time, and it's called Tel Dan. It's of the northernmost. And you will see an altar to a pagan god there. And you'll see what Jeroboam did and all the false idol worship that he did there, and you'll be able to see all of that stuff. 1 Kings chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar of Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. So King Jeroboam is wanting this guy to be caught 
probably thrown in jail, probably just to shut him up. But then his hand became petrified. He couldn't draw it back. The altar also was torn down. And the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign like the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord. And the king's hand was restored to him and became as it was before. This young prophet had the gift of miracles, the gift of healing. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half your house, I will not go in with you. This is a king. If you even give me half of your kingdom, I'm not going with you. And I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For so was it commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. Now this young prophet is a true prophet of God. He's not looking to fulfill any greedy desires. He said, not even for half of your kingdom would I do that. Right? He's there to give the king a word from God. That's what prophets do. Verse 10, So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel. And so this is where the story kind of takes a twist here. And his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told to their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? And his son showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he mounted it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go in with you, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, you shall neither eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet, as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now keep in mind that this younger prophet was gifted in several spiritual gifts according to our story, right? He had the gift of knowledge. He had the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy. He had all those gifts. One important one he didn't have. The ability to distinguish between spirits. He has all these gifts, at least five. But he doesn't have this one. Right? He had so many gifts. But the thing is, without spiritual discernment, he gets fooled by the older prophet. You see how important this gift is for our church. It wasn't that the older prophet was not a prophet. This guy is really a prophet. Right? And it wasn't that God can't speak through another person to you because he does. But the thing is, God never contradicts himself. So if God told you something and someone else comes along and tells you God told them something totally different than he told you, one of you is lying. It's not God. One of you is lying because God does not contradict himself. Right? Like this older prophet, he lied. 
Now, I find it fascinating when people come up to me to tell me that God told them something about me. Or they're telling me, oh, God told me to tell you something or something about the church or to tell you to do something about the church or about your ministry and all these things. And the thing is, I haven't heard the same thing from God. Now, that can happen. Maybe God just hasn't told me yet, but I'll wait for it. I'm not going to act upon that. Right? I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to seek God because I'm faithful that He's going to answer me. Now, I think God will inform me if it's something about me or if it's something about the church. I have faith in that. I know God's going to let me know. And if by chance that does happen when He speaks to someone else without speaking to me, I'm going to be really slow. I'm not going to act on impulse. You're going to wait a long time. I can't act without the Lord saying, yes, do it. Okay? So don't get mad at me. Just know I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord and I'm busy asking, seeking the Lord. That's what I'm doing. So here we have this older prophet who gives this younger prophet a contradicting message from what he already received from God, and the younger prophet doesn't have the ability to distinguish between spirits. Picking up the story here, verse 20. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. A real prophecy comes to the older prophet. A true prophecy comes to the older prophet now, right? And this time, he's not lying. Or he's not lying. You're going to get it later. Verse 21. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah. Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion. See, there's a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road, and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. Yeah, because of you, dude. Therefore, the Lord has given him to the lion, because you were lying which has torn him and killed him according to the word that the Lord spoke to him. And he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown in the road, and the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body or torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and bury him. And he laid the body in his own grave. See, he, he knew he did wrong. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. It's just an amazing story about a prophet who had so many spiritual gifts, at least five. Right? At least five. But he didn't have the ability to distinguish between spirits, and he died because of it. He died. He couldn't discern a truth from a lie. And perhaps it was because he wanted to respect an older man who claimed to be a prophet, which he was. But just a really, really tragic story, though, isn't it? Of this really promising young 
prophet who had so many spiritual gifts except this one really important one. You see, that's what following a lie does. That's what false teachers do. That's what false prophets do. They lead you to your death. Following false prophets, following false teachers, it gets you to a very, very tragic place. And we see how important the Word of God is because if someone tells you something contrary to the Word of God, you know it's false. You know. You don't have to look any further. You don't have to ask anybody else. You know. And if someone tells you something contrary to what God has spoken to you, you need to pray for discernment. Compare it to God's Word. Seek wise counsel from numerous people you trust and you know that they will pray and that they know the Bible. How sad it is when there's an inability to distinguish between spirits because horrible things happen when there's a lack of discernment. People follow false teachers. They follow false prophets to their death. You know, uh, my father-in-law is buried up in that cemetery near Mills College. And he's about 30 yards from Jim Jones because Jim Jones is buried up there too. And I think about how many people followed that false prophet, that false teacher to their death because they lacked spiritual discernment and they were being lied to. The ability to distinguish between spirits is such a significant gift. And I know some of you have this gift because you've shared it with me. And I'm so thankful that this gift is present in our body. And I'm sure others of you have this gift and maybe you don't know it. Maybe you don't know it. See, it's that sense you get that doesn't make any logical sense and you have no reasoning for it. You have no reason, there's no logic as to why you feel the way you do about a situation, about a person, about a circumstance because you just have these feelings and you have these senses that are telling you what's right and what's wrong. And even though everything looks right on the exterior, inside of you, you're feeling something's just not right and it's not sitting well with you. Listen to that. Listen to that. You might not even know why, but something's just not right. And when you get that sensation, be prayerful, be cautious. More often than not, when I've gone against that sense within myself or I've gone against that feeling within myself, I did the wrong thing. I should have followed that sense. I should have followed that feeling. Instead of letting someone else convince me of doing something else, but I've fallen from that. I've made mistakes. And you may be wrong just like I've been wrong before about following your spiritual senses. But follow it. Because you might be right. Right? Seek that. And, and I can't say that I'm always right about my discerning spirit. Most of the time I am. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant or to be cocky or anything. This is just one of the gifts that I've received from the Lord. One of the stronger gifts that I've received from the Lord. And I can't boast about it because I didn't earn it. I didn't even ask for it. I think the Lord knew that I was going to be in this position and I needed this particular spiritual gift. And it's just one of those spiritual gifts that the Lord has gifted me with. And it's one of my stronger gifts, if not my strongest. 
And so there are other gifts where the gift is virtually non-existent in me. Interpretation of tongues never happened. Speaking of tongues, once. This one, all the time. All the time. Talk to me, and I'm already thinking something in your head. And if you're lying, just know that I know. <laughs> All right? Just know that. I think that's what made me good at my previous job as well. But to exercise wisdom, right? God desires us to exercise wisdom. But sometimes our wisdom just isn't enough. Sometimes our knowledge just isn't enough. We need the Spirit to intervene, to give us the ability to distinguish between spirits and to be led by the Spirit so that we're not led astray or the leadership that positions that we hold, we don't lead other people astray with us. See, it's a gift that is really important to our church because we have so many needs here. There are so many hurting people here. And because the majority of the time, people lie about their situations and circumstances, and we desperately need the spirit of discernment so that we can know when the truth is being told and we can address the real needs shared with us. All right, so for sure, we can't get calloused towards people who approach us. Right? We can't do that. I'm never going to say some person comes up to me and I get the sense right away and be like, liar. Leave. Out. Leave. I'm never going to do that. I'm going to show them compassion and gentleness and talk with them and pray with them all the while knowing you are lying to me. But I'm going to love you anyway. I'll love you. And I'm not going to share with anybody else, you know that guy just lied to me? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to slander. I'm just going to serve. But the thing is, when you're saying like, oh, you know, I need $10,000 to go do this thing. You know, my car broke down and I needed to get it fixed. And I needed all that. Your story goes on and on and on and on. When it comes to the elders, I will even present it to them. I will present to the elders your thing. I'm not going to withhold, but I will share. My spirit of discernment tells me, dot, dot, dot. And so as I share that with the elders and they can make the decision because I'm just the first amongst equals and they can decide something without me, but they are responsible then. I already shared my part. You're responsible now, right? The elders are responsible now. And so we need to extend care. We need to extend compassion, tenderness, gentleness, kindness, generosity to people even though your little spidey senses are going off saying, like, mm, not that, no, 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 we can't do that. We still need to exercise that and exercise discernment. Exercise discernment because not everyone is honest nor is their heart in the right place when they present things to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this gift, something we really, really need because we know that false teachers and false prophets and people who don't have the greatest intentions or heart are out there. And so, Lord, we pray for your continued protection of your church, of your children. We need so much, Lord, your spirit to help us to distinguish between spirits. In Jesus' name, amen.